The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What's going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generates podcast this week for the BMW Championship. As usual, I'm here with the GPP King, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how you doing? Um, I, that's a great intro. I wish I was the GPP King, but there's uh, a lot of other guys that had some great weeks we'll talk about. I had an okay week and I've done some in the past, but I think... Uh, you know, overall, doing pretty well, man. We'll talk about the event in a minute. First off, just want to remind everybody, this this podcast is sponsored by Roto-Grinders. Head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. You can get yourself $10 off your first month or $50 off for your first year to try it out. We are going to talk a little bit later about the Lister League. Got some of the, you know, prize ideas are rolling in now, and we're starting to get that. We've got a, a, a date set in stone, as I think we mentioned last time, Kenny and I have come to the conclusion that we're going to run that. We're around the U.S. Open. We'll have the tournament then for all the what we're calling like our tournament of champions, everyone that's won. But we'll get to that in a minute. You know, Jim Nance made the call at the end, Kenny, and it was I was waiting for what he's going to say here. Like, dude just won by 11 strokes. Uh, the Dustin domination, and that's really what it was. Minus 30. The next close was minus 19. Before I kick it to you and let you take off with it, I just want to say this. Everyone out there was talking about, oh, we should have a harder course. It shouldn't be a birdie fest, whatever. At the start of the week, no one cared when we all said it was going to be 16 to 18 under range. At the end of the week, only Harris English beat that score by one at 19, and then DJ ran away at 30 under. That, to me, is not a birdie fest or anything. That's DJ playing A-plus golf, something extremely special. Don't know if we'll see something like that again for a long time. Uh, that was pretty impressive, man. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't think it was the course that played easy. I don't, I don't, I think we've seen plenty of courses like this play, you know, like you said, 16 and 19 to 20 on there. It's sort of been the norm for, I'd say 70% of the courses that the PGA tour plays each, you know, each season. Now, if you say, you know, all the courses should be a little bit more difficult and you don't want to see that. That's another thing. Uh, But I mean, what he did, I mean, like, what it shows is when DJ is, has his A game, I mean, he's really almost impossible to beat. I mean, you look at his past few wins, 11 strokes, 8 strokes, 5 strokes, 3 strokes, you know, 5 strokes again. Like, he's won by – when he wins, he wins by a punch. He wins – he laps the field. Uh, and, and that's something you could say about DJ. Like, why can't he do that every week? And it could be a little bit of a mark on him. But the thing is, when you think about that, no one can do this week in and week out. The only person that ever did in our generation was Tiger. And Tiger is a comparison to everybody, and that's just not fair. Like, no one can be Tiger. No one can have that laser-like focus week in and week out and do what he did in his prime. It just doesn't happen anymore. Um, whether it's because the competition is better, whether it's because there's – you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of these golfers now, you know, when Tiger did his thing in his prime, he was single, wiling out, banging all these, you know, you know, uh, waitresses from whatever, you know, I mean, that's what he was doing. You know, I, you know, he didn't have the commitment of home, of family, of kids, of a wife. And, and every top player, I guess right now, I don't know. I, I can't even really name any who aren't, who, don't, who aren't in that situation. And it's really hard to have that laser-like focus every week when you have other responsibilities that are just as big. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it's a black mark on, on, on DJ that he can't do this week in and week out. But when he does do it, man, it's freaking incredible. Uh, an 11-stroke win on a course like this. Be, I mean, like, I think if you finish minus 10, you still finish in the top 30. And he beat those guys by 20 strokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fucking insane. Like, what he did this past week, and the thing is, like, you know, I talked about driving distance last week, and I thought that it would be more of a factor, um, you know, and some of the stuff didn't really pan out for me. I I took some some risks uh, with Bryson. You know, I thought that his length and his aggressiveness off the tee would be useful, but he didn't really hit too many drivers off the tee. It looked like he was laying back. I don't really know why. Um, Maybe because he finally realized he sucks from 100 to 125, but still, I mean – what I said last week still reigns true. I mean, if, if you can hit to 100 yards and hits it to 18 feet instead of everyone else hitting the 14 feet, I'd still rather have that. Um, but, I mean, what Dustin did, he did lead he did lead the field in driving distance last week. I think he gained, like, 19 strokes tee to green, and, like, the next highest person was, like, nine. It was crazy, like, what he did. It was unbelievable. Um, and, and we see it from DJ more often than other golfers, this type of game. Uh, at least here recently in the last couple of years, like when he wins, he fucking wins. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, it's not like by a little, it's usually by a lot. And of course people can say what they want about him and majors and losing, you know, his first four, 50 hole, four hole leads and majors, the majors are different. Um, you know, some, some guys, you know, he, I wouldn't say he doesn't have it, but they, you, you could tell just by looking at him, the, the killer, like you know, that major focus, I, I don't know. It, it could be too much for him at some point in time. And we've seen that throughout his career, but he's regular events. He, when he dominates, he fucking dominates. He crushes. Uh, English had a great week. Um, you know, Kisner has been playing really, really good golf here recently. Berger up there, uh, probably the most consistent golfer on tour right now. Uh, since the restart, if you look, is Daniel Berger. And there's been some talk about why he shouldn't, why he isn't in the, in, in the masters. Well, I mean, 
you know, if the Masters was in March, he wouldn't have made it. So, or in April, he wouldn't have made it. So I, I don't really get that point of view. Yeah, we played longer. Yeah, shit's different this year, but he didn't make it when he should have made it, uh, either due to injuries or anything. And since he's been playing great, but that doesn't mean you should get a spot, in my opinion. What'd you think of the event? Yeah, the event was what you said. We just talked about it enough. I think probably in general, like you said, the stuff with DJ is just, I, I really don't care about the major stuff. Bottom line is it's tough to win majors. We know that. Ask a lot of guys out there. Maybe not for Brooks, and that's what Brooks wants to cling to now, but there's a lot of things that have to go your way, variants, different stuff. Could DJ have won at Chambers Bay? Yes. Could it, There's all these situations, the PGA Championship, USO, like all these spots that he had that he just didn't come through. He could easily add that, but 22 wins is pretty damn impressive. The way he does it, like you just mentioned, is off the charts. 20, you know, 30 under John Rahm. Former number one, like very recent world number one, minus 16, T6, yeah, 14 strokes back, not even close. So it's just like what you said. There's, and on top of that, the field that he did it with, everybody was here. I mean, for the most part, if you look at the field, it was stacked. So it's, it is what it is. A couple things I want to note uh, real quick. One is to me, I'll get to the burger thing in a second because I do have an opinion on that. But the first part would be about back just to this birdie fest thing for a second. I actually like that the event was like it was. And I get it that DJ just ran away with it. And so whatever, and that makes for a little bit boring golf over the weekend. That's, you know, DJ on another planet. Only guys, certain guys, maybe Rory at times, uh, you know, Tiger back in the day, like you mentioned, and DJ, when he gets it going, uh, he was not even spending two seconds over his shots. He's just hitting it, picking up the tee and rolling. So it's tough that, but what I kind of like is when there's 125 dips so low now. Remember, it used to be 125 to 100. Now it's 125 to 70. It's all equal playing ground. It's all the same course. Everyone gets the same chance. I kind of like that there's some opportunity for a guy who we'll get to way later in the show, like Robbie Shelton, to do your damn job on Sunday and you have a chance to get in the top 70. And then, yeah, it's a long shot to get further than that. But guess what? You've got a shot. So I do like that it's a little bit more wide open. I thought the course was fine. Obviously, it sucks when a guy's way out ahead, and, and that's just is what it is, but it's also something to watch. It's a specimen, you know, a guy like DJ going out and doing that, something special that you can't really find other guys do. So there was that. The burger thing is what you said, man. I don't get it. If he's not in, he's not in. I'm not even like the get-off-my-lawn, rules-are-rules guy. It's, it's just the facts. He doesn't get in, and what bothers me a little bit more than that because I get why there's room for that conversation, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's just yours and mine. It sounds like we're on the same page. But what bothers me is it's the same people are then saying the playoff format sucks. How do all these guys that suck at golf get in? Well, because that's the rules. They, they played by the same rules that everybody else did, and they get in. So how can you say on one page, Berger deserves this master's invite, and then on the same page say all these other people don't be, deserve to be in the top 125 or, or the top 70? Why is Carlos Ortiz here? Why are all these other guys here? Well, they're here because the same reason. That's how the rules are written. If there's a better way, let's get to it. But clearly they're adapting and trying to get better with it, changing it. You know, every couple of years, they've been trying to adapt this format, but we'll get what we get. Look, we're getting live golf. It's exciting. I love it. The fields are still very strong, and it's going to be exciting down the stretch. I mean, what we see with the FedEx Cup playoffs year in, year out is the first two, it used to be the first three weeks, were basically all birdie fests. I mean, that's sort of what they want. Uh, you know, I mean, you'll see this week at Olympia Fields, I mean, I go over it in my course preview. It was a pretty difficult course. Last time I played in 2003, of course, it was U.S. Open, but I don't expect to play that way at all uh, this week. You know, they always make the courses for the FedEx Cup playoffs uh, uh, very, very scorable to have a little bit more excitement, to have those Robbie Sheltons have a chance to come in and do something on a Sunday to make it to the next round. You know, that, that's sort of what they the format is, and that's the way it sort of has been. Now, you can agree or disagree, but that's just the way it is. Another cool thing, Dustin Johnson becomes the fifth world number one, fifth golfer to claim the world number one spot uh, this year. And it looks like 
it'll probably be six unless Morikawa, because Morikawa, once he gets to that minimum divisor, he's going to keep jumping up. And with a couple of more good finishes, he could probably move up to number one by the end of the year as well. So that just shows the depth of talent that we have uh, week in, week out. I mean, it's, it's a golden age of golf right now. It's not just Tiger in the field. It's a whole bunch of golfers out there week in, week out that can do their thing. And even the guys on the bottom of the list, they can still show off. You know, these guys are super talented. And that's sort of why I think they keep it at a at a birdie fest for these for these uh, FedEx Cup playoff events and for the majority of the PGA Tour events. I, you know, I'd say 70, 70 percent uh, every year are, you know, quote unquote birdie fest. So you see 16, 17, 18 under or above, probably 18 under or above as the winning score. Uh, that's just the way it is. That's they, they, they think that'll bring more people to watch. And they, I, you know, I, I like the tougher courses. I, I like watching that too. But I mean, we're seasoned vets. You know, we sort of like watching golfers struggle. The casual fan, they probably want to see more birdies. They probably want to see yeah. shots closer to the pin. And that's sort of what the PJ Tour is playing on because they want to grow. Yeah, it might piss some people off. Uh, but for the marketing purposes, I think this is the way it's going to be. And hey, just real quick, because that's a great point. Every sport's looking for more scoring. The one spot I'll agree with everybody, and I know we've all been on the same page for a long time now, but is they need to do a better job of the actual broadcast and what they're showing. If it's the playoffs, this is the one that I agree with the most of anything. If it's the playoffs, show us the playoffs. And I use Robbie Shelton. I got no shares in him. I don't care about Robbie Shelton. I'm just saying, you know, the, the only shot I can really remember that was down the stretch was like Kokrak needed the eagle and plants it and gets it in. And that's just because it was on 18. I really don't think they were showing us that shot because it was, this is to get into the next round of the playoffs. They needed to do a lot better job as far as the broadcast goes. And I know we're flipping over to NBC now for the final two weeks. Probably thank God on that because it's going to be better. In my opinion, it always is. But, uh, you know, they just didn't do a good enough job down the stretch of showing us who needs what to get where and why. And I know we make fun of the FedEx Cup and the standings all year long. Like you said, being in this and following golf as, high, as hard and heavy as we do. But that really is bothersome, right? That they can't just do a better job adapting. Like, yes, they have DraftKings odds up there and now, and that's cool to see. But you still need to do a better job for your audience of getting them involved in what the playoff sweat is and who needs what to get where and not all these meaningless shots because it's hard enough to find golf shots as, as it is. Show us the ones that actually matter to what the scenario is on the, on the line. Yeah, that's 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 very true. I mean, think about it. I mean, this is a playoff event. You have to make it into a certain number, and they're not showing the golfers on that line trying to make it to that number. And it sort of, you know, makes the playoff a little bit less. I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but less. I don't know. Less playoffy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not going to show those guys, then what the fuck is the point? You know what I'm saying? They, I I agree with you 100. percent They have to show those those golfers. Uh, you know, on the verge, and there's plenty. But the thing is, this week, there's a lot of bigger names, uh, you know, that are outside looking in. So maybe this week you'll see more coverage of guys trying to make it into that top 30. And it's a little bit easier with only 70 people in the field. All right, so let's move on to our listener league this week. The winner was Death Cab for Usti. I love that name. I love that name. Death Cab, I love that name. Shrek Shrek is a great golfer. Uh, it's just a smooth swing. The uh, the uh, major runner up. I'm always a big fan. I roster him all the time. Uh, I think the the winning lineup in the five that won 500k this week um, used Usti in the lineup, so he was he was in the winning lineup. All right, so let's let's go to Death Cab for Usti's lineup. Who doesn't have Usti? But he started with Rory McIlroy, uh, who finished. Who's just been off. I mean, talking about Rory, uh, we talked about this last week, and he actually made a comment about it about how the fans have uh, 
sort of the lack of fans are sort of, you know, given away his motivations to play. And, you know, some people think that's whining and bitching. It probably is, but I think there's some truth in it too. I said last week that Roy feeds off that crowd, feeds off that energy, and he doesn't have it now. And Tiger made the opposite point this week as well, where he thinks there's a lot of golfers that have played really well since the restart with no fans who normally would not be playing this well if they had the pressure of the fans. So that's a big thing. Before we get into the rest of the listening, what do you think about that? The thought process was just what we said. I mean, I thought Tiger still confirmed it a little bit. He mentions a, a spot about him and Rory sort of not having that, you know, that advantage that they've always had, right? That's all he mentioned. It's been like a couple strokes sometimes that guys in his group got to adapt a little bit more to his crowds. And Rory's probably used to the same. And that's where our point was at. But then, yeah, the second part was, you know, he wasn't saying it directly, but little Scotty Scheffler 59, it might be a little bit more easier to zone in when it's just play golf and go DJ even. Look at DJ, run it by 11 strokes. It's, you know, play your golf, play your game, and move on. Nothing else in your way, nothing to really stop you, nothing to hold you up. The slow play has been a conversation for a long time now, but it's, we haven't even seen that. We've talked about it for weeks now since the restart, how much better it's been without fans for actual speed of play. So I think that all of it adds up to that. But, you know, bottom line is it's whining or not, you still got to go out there and play golf. Everyone's playing the same course. Everyone's playing the same holes. It's you got to get out there and do it. I think for someone like Rory, who I mentioned this last time, is it's a little bit, you know, demotivating. And also at the same time, he has to see the leaderboard more, and it's more in his head. And we already know some scenarios like use Augusta on a you know Sunday off the tee into the woods. You know, there's those situations he's had in the past, and I wonder if that's just bothering him a little bit more, or as some people say, he's got five hundred million bucks in the bank and just doesn't give a shit. So if yeah. he's not in it, who cares? Let's just keep playing and let's move on and he'll wait for the big events like the masters where he needs to close the door or the, you know, other majors, so to speak. Yeah. I'd love for that to be an excuse of why I've been playing so poorly in DFS because I'm, because these golfers that I'm not sure they could play well because of the no fans. I mean, it's bullshit. It's not an excuse. I just been sucking, but yeah, last (laughs) week wasn't that great uh, at all for me. And a lot of differences where I would thought things were going to go a certain way, but they definitely didn't. I mean, you think the four golfers I rostered in my cash game cornerstones last week, I think they have an 82% made cut percentage for the season. I think combined those four guys have missed like nine cuts total. Uh, and all four of them missed the cut. I mean, the odds of that are like probably astronomical. I don't know what the fuck happened. And again, it's been true. Getting six to six, way harder right now. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was like two, three percent uh, last week. Before we get into listening, how did you do last week? It was a mediocre week. The, the big part for me was the betting side. I hit DJ 20 to one. That was a, nice. a smash. So that was nice. Another, uh, another DJ pod victory right there. We've had so many. I think that's probably around 12 in the last 35 events, maybe even more like 13 in the last 40 events that we've hit uh, combined between me and you. So that's pretty good. Pretty good betting, right? That's, that's the one part where I've been doing well last week. I wasn't, but both of us have been doing pretty damn well in that part. And of course you guys, you got the GPPs also, and I just been fucking struggling. We're going to try and bounce back. It's a no cut event. So I can't have any of us to cut. So you can't, now, pretty, you can't go yeah. over four this week. I don't think yeah, that's yeah. good news. Yeah. I, I've been doing G- pretty well uh, in these no t- cut events. So we'll see how it goes again this week. Yeah, G- GPPs wasn't the best. It was a, you know, it was a good you were week. Close, it just though, right? Yeah, the, the upside close. was all there. It was a couple, couple sweats down the stretch. Well, you know, like I said, some some guys that hit were were awesome. We'll talk about it in a second here. But uh, you know, I had the forty fourth in the main twenty five dollar, and the same lineup was a duplicate in the five dollar queue that got second. So it's my second second in three weeks to try and get into the fantasy golf world championship for the you know three hundred and ten bucks or whatever it is. You can play a max sixty two at five dollars. So I always just pick my 
62 lineups that I like the best and throw them in there and, and see what happens. And it was close again. So something big's coming. And then the worst was my second best lineup in the $25 had answer where if I had to just put English, everyone has this story. So poor me, sob, sob, smallest violin in the world. But if it was, if it was English over answer, it's 718 points and 702.5 won the $25. So it's just like, damn, why didn't you, you know, do that as you went along? But that's the thing. When you play a hundred lineups, you know, I had a hundred in this case this week. It's, you know, you're, you're going to make some mistakes and you're going to have some, you know, mashups that don't quite work. So back at it again this week, excited, like say no cut event, hopefully, you know, no withdrawals, no mess ups, no things like that. And just go for upside, right? We're going to get into the pool here in a second. All right. So we got uh death cab for Usti. First, he won the lineup with, he won the list in the league with 624.5 points. His first pick was Roy McIlroy, finished 65th, 69.5 points. Dustin Johnson who, of course, won 172 DraftKings points. He beat the second-place person in DraftKings points by 40 points. That's yeah. crazy. If you didn't have Dustin, you weren't winning money. And, of course, last week I was like, I'm going to play Dustin Johnson or I'm going to play Morikawa. Guess who the fuck I picked? I definitely picked Morikawa on that one. So that did not – another reason why that did not go well. He was about 10% owned uh, in the listener league. Victor Hovland, who had a really good Sunday – 15% owned in the listener league, finished 18th, 104.5 points. Russell Henley finished 8th, 6.83% owned, 100.5 points. Uh, Keegan Bradley, uh, we talked about him last week, 4% owned, finished the 29th, 81 points. And Cam Davis, who, you know, was up there for the first couple of days, sort of fading on the weekend, which is a little bit disappointing. Uh, 14% owned, so good on you, DJ Nation, 97 points. Yeah, that's the one I was loving last week. I said, look, I don't care if he's 8%. Whatever you're going to say, it's not going to be enough for me to get off him at 6,300. The way he's been doing it, the you know opportunity, the more guys making the cut, all those factors you know went in there. So great lineup overall. Shout out to Death Cab for Usti. I mean, like you said, it was, you know, one thing that's interesting is didn't even have English. And English was obviously right up there with DJ. So most of those lineups will have that. But uh, I got him all set up. He's in the, the listener league for the year-end contest. We've got some stuff rolling through. We're going to have some big prizes from Roto Grinders. Uh, talking to DK, seeing if they're going to get some tickets in there leading into NFL or even the swing season in golf. So we're going to announce more of that as we get on with it, but it will be held at the U.S. Open. So every week up until then, you'll have a chance to win in. The last couple of weeks have actually been overlaid just because DraftKings has been a little bit behind on getting the tournament out to us. So we haven't been able to put it in the podcast description on, on Apple or anything like that. So yeah, we'll see what happens this week. It should be out tonight, hopefully, which is tomorrow when you guys are listening to this. A uh, couple more shout outs. Moondog, you know, a regular, always up there. Johnny Pancake. You know, good good guy, always DMs us and stuff. He's been up there before. He actually won it last year. And then, yeah, Bear Off. I want to talk about him right quick. Obviously, a friend of the pod has been on the podcast a couple times, RB42.7. Uh, fifth place here with the lineup that, you know, had a had answer in it, a five out of six. He crushed it on DraftKings with that lineup, still got third in the $100 stinger, won a bunch of money on there, I think 15, 16,000, and then won another 15, 16,000 for over 30K, I believe, on the week uh, over on FanDuel. He had a really good shot at the 100K up top in the FanDuel $9 and just fizzled out a little bit on Sunday with a very similar lineup, but had six out of six. So shout out to Bearoff, you know, great guy, always there to help out. And that's now, for those of you that follow the DFS Open, you know, a week ago was Joe, who organized it with Bearoff, and they're back to back. So Kenny, that strip club's looking live for you, buddy, when we get down there again. Uh, they gotta make it rain for me, dog. Throw that money in there. I, Cheetah's gonna call my name. As long as we're, as long as we can go to fucking strip clubs at that point in time. I had to cancel my trip to Vegas which I was supposed to go Labor Day weekend because the strip clubs are closed. The brothels are closed. The bars are closed. Restaurants are like 25% open. At least we have golf. At least I, yeah. of all this shit that's going on right now, at least we have fucking golf. 
that we can watch because the rest of this shit fucking sucks, bro. This shit is so horrible. I had so many fucking plans and all of them just getting washed away. I can't fucking deal with it. Um, it sucks. Wear your fucking mask. Sorry. All right. And so we're going to go to these tiers, okay? We're going um, in this 10K range. We've got Webb all the way up to DJ. Who you got this week? Before I give you that, Kenny's going to give you guys a fantastic course preview that he spent a lot of time on that he forgot about. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that shit again. It's one of them days. I had to work really early this morning <laughs> again. So my shit is all fucked up. So we're going to go again. We're going to start. I've done this a couple of times the past few weeks, haven't I? The brain cells are dying right now. I can tell you that right now. I turned 40. Stay sharp, Kenny. Stay sharp. I, I, I turned 40 on Saturday. So I'm officially old now, starting on Saturday. And, and I feel like. I can't remember shit that happened like three hours ago. So, so this is going to be a, become a problem for me. I can tell. So, Tambo, just keep me sharp on this shit because I know this is not going to be the last time this shit happens again. So, let's get to the course. The FedEx Cup playoffs roll into the second week as golfers travel just outside of Chicago for the BMW Championship from Olympia Fields Country Club. Olympia Fields has hosted the 2015 U.S. Amateur Championship and also has hosted numerous college events in the last decade plus. Bryson won the U.S. Am that year in 2015 with Rom finishing in fifth, Shelton and McNeely finishing in ninth, Straka, McCarthy, and Naismith finishing in 17th. Uh, Matthew Wolf, he won the Illini Invitational here in 2018 with Morikawa finishing in second and Hovland in sixth. Uh, Cameron Champ, Mad McNeely, and Harris English have also won a college event here in the last decade plus. I wouldn't read too much into this course history, maybe just a little uh, factor as a USAM was set up way harder uh, than this week. And both events used, I, I'm pretty sure the college event, I know the USAM used the North and South course. I'm pretty sure the college event used both courses as well. Now, you know, it could have a mining, a, a tiny mental advantage for some of these golfers that have played well here in college or at the USAM. Uh, you know, because of their prior successes. But it's something to think about, but I wouldn't go overboard on the course history. Uh, the last time the, the, the PGA Tour played here was in 2003 uh, for the U.S. Open, and it was the sixth most difficult course on the tour that year. Uh, the organizers of the BMW Championship tend to let the courses have a have very scorable conditions. As, we, as we've seen the winning score in the minus 20-plus range the last five years, and some of those courses have been on former major courses as well, just like this week. Uh, Casey, Tiger, Adam Scott, Charles Howe III, are the only golfers in the field that played the U.S. Open in 2003. Now, there's definitely a FedEx Cup angle this week. We talked about this. You know, golfers are going to try and make it to the top 30 uh, to advance to East Lake next year. Some golfers currently on the outside looking in, some bigger names. Uh, Neiman is 31st. Wolf, 33rd. Cantlay, 37th. Adam Scott, 38th. Woodland, 39th. Day, 50th. And Tiger, 57th. So maybe we will see more of these guys trying to make it and have a more playoff type atmosphere since they're sort of bigger names, current and old, uh, you know, coming in and trying to make this top 30. Uh, now Olympia fields is a 7,366 yard par 70 with four par threes and two par fives. The first hole is a mammoth par five that can stretch out to over 630 yards. And the par five 15th is around 570 yards, but can play longer uh, depending on the tee box. Two of the par threes are on the shorter side, uh, between like 160 and 185 yards, and the other two are well over 200 yards, with the par three eighth hole stretching out over 280 yards. I mean, 
it's elevated, but some guys are going to have to use the three-wood, maybe even driver out there to hit this green. Uh, seven of the par fours are between 450 and 500 yards, and two are under 400 yards. The two short par fours are back-to-back on holes 11 and 12, which is then preceded by the easiest hole on the course, which is the par 3 13th. Golfers will need to get a lot of scoring on, on these three holes and the two par fives to stay near the top of the leaderboard. Now, off the tee, golfers will see average to narrow tree-lined fairways with bunkers in play in the landing zones. The bunkers are predominantly large, but if a golfer misses near the front lip of these bunkers, a layup situation may be in the cards. The rough will be around three, three to three and a half inches tall, and golfers have to miss the fairway by around eight to 12 yards to hit it into the trees. Now, looking at videos, there doesn't seem to be too many low-hanging branches on the tree, so the golfers should be able to punch it out of there with a low-trajectory shot. Now, the issue is that the greens have very narrow openings in front for the ball to roll up, and some are just completely blocked because a lot of these greens have these large, deep front-side bunkers. I do expect the driver to be pulled out a bunch this week by most golfers because the course is pretty straightforward off the tee with only subtle dog legs on some holes. You're going to have a lot of longer par fours and, of course, the two long par fives. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, anywhere between six and nine drivers uh, a day would be my guess. On approach shots, golfers will see small, elevated, bent grass, uh, bent grass pull-up blended greens that slope heavily from back to front. Hitting it over this, the greens this week will make for a difficult up and down to a normally elevated green that slopes away from golfers. Uh, so I expect a lot of approaches to come up 15 to 25 feet short on back pin locations. On front pin locations, golfers will have to deal with a fall-off area on most holes right in the front and plenty of large bunkers that guard the front of the greens. You know, outside of the fall-off area, most greens are surrounded by the same three-inch rough that golfers see off the fairways. The greens have plenty of slope and contour and should play around 11.5 to 12 on the stint meter. I expect the conditions to be soft and scorable, regardless of the weather, although there could be 20-mile-per-hour gusts on Thursday, which could have an effect on scoring during round one. Like I said earlier, the guys who organize this event, they like the low scoring. Uh, even though the course on the outside looks like it could be more difficult, I think the way the course is going to play, I don't think the greens are going to be playing too far. Again, this is just conjecture. I'm taking an educated guess here because we haven't seen this course in forever. And the last time we saw it, it was pretty fucking firm and fast uh, at the 2003 U.S. Open. I don't expect those conditions, even though it's been dry uh, in Chicago here recently. The, the guys in this event, they like scorable conditions, so I expect it soft. I expect it to hold from the rough, uh, and I expect the winning score to be in the high teens uh, again uh, this week. Tambo, what are you looking for? Yeah, I do like that call on the score. I think, the, you know, we don't have the 11-stroke runaway this week. Maybe, you know, cut it off at English at 19 and go down, except that would be DJ, you know, at the top. So we'll see how this week plays out. But, yeah, all-around all golfers, accuracy off the tee. You mentioned the stuff, a little bit smaller greens and whatnot, so stroke scanned approach, ball strikers. And then I want them, if they can, you know, have a little bit of this around-the-green game with a, a decent putter. You know, we'll get to a couple plays where I think it makes sense or a couple situations where, you know, there's one-offs that we can talk about it. But I think that's going to come into play more than people might think. So that's going to be something I'm monitoring separate on the side. Yeah, well, I mean, greens are going to be pretty small. So mm-hmm. I think there are going to be missed greens 
in this location. I think you're going to have to be good from the bunkers because, I mean, it's pretty bunker heavy, uh, especially in the front side of these greens. Uh, and like I said, you know, if, if the pin location is in the front, these greens, are these, these bunkers are going to come into play. And if you go deep and the pin location is in the back, you can't go over. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of getting the right distances with your clubs. We'll see about the wind. I think uh, Thursday, like I said, there could be some windy conditions that's something to pay attention to. Uh, I don't remember how the tee times go uh, for the BMW Championship. I don't know if there's a wave or if they all go off, you know, back to back to back to back. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, this week as we get into it. I'll also be looking at proximity from 175 to 200 and 200 plus, uh, especially for the shorter hitters. Uh, out there who have the accurate hitters off the tee that they're going to be hitting a lot of their uh, approaches from the 175 and up range. The longer hitters, probably 150 to 175, 175 to 200. So I'm definitely keying in on that 175, the 200 range par four efficiency from 450 to 500. Those are something there's, I think there's seven par fours that you're going to be looking at in that range. So those are some stats, but also birdie or better percentage like usual, because again, I think it's going to be another low scoring event. Let's get to these tiers. Uh, like we, like I tried to do 10 minutes ago and just forgot about. So we're going to web, web Simpson all the way to DJ in this 10 K range, pretty large, 10K range this week. What are you going with, Tamil? Yeah, there's a few guys here. So the DJ thing's up top is the first decision, right? That's going to be what everybody's talking about here. He's 8-1, to one, you know, to bet him. If you want to double down, you know, the thing about that is I think there is only certain guys that I like to go back-to-back. DJ would definitely be one of them. Tiger was one of them. Uh, you know, Rory, when he gets it going. Uh, Jason Day, probably back in his prime. Call him when he was number world number one. I know he's kind of coming back into what some may call it right now. He's, he's been crushing it. We'll get to him. Uh, Bryson. Did it here. And the big thing about that is that, yeah, Bryson just to, you know, in 2018, Bryson actually won the Northern Trust and then this event. So it can happen. Rory Horschel have done it before in the playoffs. I think there's an opportunity for DJ to go back to back. I don't mind him. I think he's a great tournament play. We're going to see what ends up happening. It's either everyone says, you know, he can do it and they all get back on him or everyone says he can't and they go off him. It's going to be, you know, a decision based on ownership there because I still like Rom underneath. I just worry that Everyone will follow suit, not because of me, but because just that's sort of the play. Everyone will say, Ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, You Break I Fix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools? It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break iFix. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. I'll go to Rom here, but uh, 500 bucks less is whatever. It's, it's hard to love him because it's only 500 bucks, and DJ just played lights out, as we talked about. 
But Rom is, you know, right there at T6. I know, like I said, it was 14 strokes back. But if you look at, you know, all the stats we talked about in the fairway, all around game, if you think about back to Memorial, that chip that was the, the cheating chip, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is now. Who cares about the penalty? It's just that type of game. And if you watch him out of bunkers, around the green, all that sort of stuff, he's got it. And when the putter gets on, he's just as good to go lights out as well. So I don't mind Rom if it's going to be way less owned than DJ. If it turns out that DJ is not going to be owned as much, then going to have to get back on him. I mean, the, the play was flawless. So uh, maybe it's a bit of a cop-up, but I'm not, you know, making hard stances in a couple other spots. Um, JT. So I do like JT. Uh, he's still going strong with the irons, the all-around game, everything, just losing with the putter, which is interesting for me because he's still my favorite, you know, or whatever I want to call best ball striker. Um, when he turns it on, he can go off. It's a spot that I think would be good. He's got a qu- quite a bit of a discount down to 10.8K. We'll c- talk about another discount in a second here. But I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, I got to say RIP Kobe because it is Mamba week, and he's got that Mamba mentality, right? So it was Kobe's birthday yesterday. It's 824 is the day today. It's National Kobe Day. So maybe that gets JT a little fired up. He's already had the game on fire. He's got, you know, won the WGC. It's just the putter a little bit off. And if he turns it back on and you just fade the 11K range in some lineups, I don't mind that. I'm not really in on Bryson. I get that there'll be some narrative there from winning the M back before, but it just it's the complete game. I don't know if he's got it, right? You got to have that whole game. I'm sure watching DJ just made him extremely jealous last week because DJ basically, like you said, had the driving distance that Bryson has or was or wants to you know use normally. He didn't use it last week. DJ did. And then DJ had every other aspect to go with it, and his wedge game is supreme. So, uh, you know, when that happens, and then on top of it, you get the putter going five eagles. It's just not going to happen. So I'm not big on him. I'm not going to keep chasing Rory. I get this the lowest price we've ever seen for him. But it just, to me, I, I can look elsewhere. And as of right now, my decision really came down to him and Webb. Like I said, I'll see how the week goes on. Uh, tune in on Wednesday night. That's one thing someone brought up last week is it'll make all kinds of decisions and thoughts on a first look podcast like this. But the bottom line is when I do my show on Wednesday, last week was with Notorious. It's on the Roto-Grinders uh, premium videos. You can get it. That's when I'll make my final decisions on exactly what my pool looks like and where it's at. So if you see that, that's sort of the way to get in and get behind the mind later on in the week. But uh, Josh Perry from the Action Network got me sold on this one. So shout out to him. Webb Simpson, uh, he talked about the point of, I know it's not the same. Like you said, it's US Open, Furyk back in 03. But I thought this was really interesting. It doesn't mean same, same because it's 03 versus 2020. But Webb is like a new age Furyk, right? The same sort of game, the same sort of style. And he pointed out they've both won in Vegas. They've both won at Hilton Head. And Webb won at the players, and Furyk also won, almost, sorry, also almost won at the players when Rory took it away. If you remember the first year of the bald gold trophy where we thought it was going to be the, the bald Jim Furyk that takes it down and just didn't quite happen. But they do show up at a lot of the same places, and they've got the game for this, you know, this type of place, you know, the around the green, the putting, everything we talked about, just how dialed Webb is. Again, 10-1 is pretty cheap when you look at, you know, five other guys above him there. Yeah, I, I'm, I like Webb a lot. He, he's my second favorite play in this range. I mean, the thing about him is, even though he's not that long off the tee, what he does is he plays these longer par fours very, very well. Uh, I think he's, uh, outside of Bryson, he's the best in the last 50 rounds in this 10K and up range from 450 to 500. Uh, he's good with his long irons. He's good around the green. He's first in strokes game par four, um, you know, in this field in the last 50 rounds, you know, right around uh, when the restart was, maybe maybe a few rounds uh, less than that. But, you know, really good on these par fours. And there's 12 of them here, and they're tough, and they're long. Uh, and he can have an advantage on those. So I like that. But JT's my favorite play. Um, again, like I think he went over it. I mean, it's just his putting has been so poor 
uh, the last three events. I mean, the ball striking, especially his approach game, has still been solid. His around the green game has been really, really good. Uh, so if he misses, you know, these fairway or these these greens, he still has a great chance to get up and down. Um, so I like JT and Webb. And I'm not going to play Rory. Uh, I think the last – I'm going to play DJ Rom or Bryson. Uh, I'm not sure which one. It's going to come down to ownership uh, here. I think Rom might be the highest owned. So, I, you know, which I don't think he's a bad play. I don't think any of these three are a bad play. But I'm going to play the ownership game with these last three, DJ Rom and Bryson, and see how it plays out late Wednesday night before I make my lineups. And I'll pick one. If DJ is going to be, you know, 12% owned again, I think you got to go back to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really do. Uh, but if you see him at like, you know, 1820 again, because what happened last week was definitely possible because I mean, what he did last week is incredible and everyone's going to remember that. Uh, then maybe you shift to Rom or Bryson, or maybe you shift to Bryson who will be, you know, I think maybe single digit owned. Uh, I would rather take a 12% owned DJ than like a 9% Bryson. But if the gap is a little bit more than that, if it's more than like seven, 8%, um, you know, then I might slide over the Bryson. It's going to be a numbers game for me, but just straight off the bat, JT Webb for me, and we'll see what happens with the other three guys uh, as the week progresses and we get those ownership projections in Wednesday night. Let's move to this 9K range. I'm going to go ahead and start off. It's a smaller range, but both my cash game cornerstones are going to start here. First off, it's going to be Xander Schauffele, um at uh, $9,900. The thing about Xander, uh, you look, you know – his iron game has just been okay. He's had that one really bad performance at the St. Jude. And of course that was like his best finish <laughs> really he lost almost six strokes with his approaches, but still finished in sixth place, but he's been really good around the green, really good off the tee, been putting. Well, you know, you look, uh, Benton Poe are his best subs, best, best putting surfaces. He's really good on Benton. There's going to be a little bit of Poe growing here from what I heard. We'll see how that happens. I remember that a couple weeks ago, there was some talk, uh, I forget which course it was that some Poe was growing in, but it really wasn't there. So we're going to have to, this is what I've heard early on. So we'll have to see later in the week if there is that much Poe on there. But the thing about it is, you know, again, it's, it's Xander in a no cut event. And here's his finishes in the last you know year in no cut events, sixth in St. Jude. Um, uh, where else? 14th in Mexico, second at a tournament in the champions, second at the WGC HSBC, 10th at the Zozo, second at the tour championship. Something about these no cut events with these, with these good fields, it just brings the best out of him. So uh, I like Xander. He's going to be my first cash game cornerstone this week. My second cash game cornerstone is probably going to be the most consistent golfer on tour since the uh, restart. It's going to be Daniel Berger. Of Iron Game Strong, really good on par fours. Uh, second in the field recently in the last 12 rounds of strokes game par fours. You go a little bit deeper on that. Um, you know, he's third in the last 50 rounds, so it's not a fluke. You know, he, he's a really good par four player. We got 12 this week, fifth in birdie or better game. You're going to need those birdies this week in the last 50 rounds. Good around the green, good off the tees, not short. Uh, you know, so he can be up there. He's good with his longer irons. So I like Berger and Xander as my first two cash game cornerstones this weekend. I'll play Morikawa uh, in GPPs uh, again this week, even though he burned me last week. I'm going to go back. The iron play, of course, has been strong. We all know his game. Um, you know, it, it'll be pretty shocking if he misses back-to-back cuts. Uh, the thing is, he missed the cut last week. I think he doubled. He was on the number. He was like one stroke 
below the cut line going into the last one or two strokes. I don't remember, but he ended up doubling the last hole. And the thing is, he was plus five on the six par fives uh, that he played in the first two rounds. I don't think that's just going to happen again. Uh, a couple of those par fives, they looked like good shots, and they just flew over the green. He had tough chips from behind the greens. Um, and, and I'm not going to put too much credence into that. So I'm going to play Kawa again. Who do you like? Yeah, it would be pretty shocking if he misses the cut at a no-cut event. So uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for keeping me on check. That's all good. Like that's said, all. I'm, that's the all mind I'm is going. I'm 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 officially middle age. So the mind. He's getting old. Going. He's getting old, everyone. Getting, so, but I I get I get where you're coming from. You know, it's kind of funny because the burger thing is like we just keep fading, 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 and he just keeps crushing. Or, or I should say, most people do. Last week he was chalk a little bit. I think he was almost twenty percent in some of the tournaments. So finally, you know, you fade when he's chalk, and then he continues to do it. So. Maybe he's, you know, trying to get that master's invite that, that currently does not exist. And that's just why he wants to keep doing it. But like you said, it's been nonstop. Even before the restart, he was on fire. So don't mind him in some large field GPPs. I'm not super excited about it. I definitely still stand by Morikawa at 9500 Uh Cheaper than X again. They keep rotating this price back and forth. Now he's $400 cheaper than X. I get that it's an increase from the 8600 we saw at the PGA Championship. But we really don't need to recite, like you said, what he's done since the break. It's been incredible. Uh, I don't really care about last week. We just move on to this week. He can score. He can outscore this price. He can finish. He can win. There's a lot that Morikawa can do at just 9,500. And then the other guy I really like here is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, the rookie of the year race is on, right? It's him and Hovland. Hovland sneaks into the uh, ability to get in there. For those who don't know, they might say, oh, isn't he from before? No, he didn't have enough, uh, whatever it is, to, to what make about it. Kawa? No, what is Kawa? I thought Kawa was... Uh, Hmm. Isn't he rookie? Isn't he rookie of the year possibility too? Well, then he would be. Uh, maybe yeah, I'm lost. Yeah, I thought I was yeah. reading something else. You could double check that after. I can't remember how it all shakes out because yeah, that would make a lot more sense. And I just was thinking of uh, the way it worked was because they actually got their starts in last year, and then with him and Wolf and Hovland was the odd man out because he didn't have enough or whatever. But I'll look at it, I'll look it up after, and we'll go into it. I feel embarrassed if that's the case because obviously it'd be a runaway. But I thought I read this today, so. Uh, I'll double check that. But either way, Scheffler coming off the 59, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a fluke. They talked about the broadcast just rattled off all the stats of in the past, you know, always playing above his level. And this is, again, in his first year on tour that he just dialed in the PGA Championship. He was right there last week. He was right there. Uh, you know, no one was really right there with the way DJ is. We don't need to keep going into that. But the idea was his game is in form and it might be a little bit of sticker shock for people at 9,000, you know, and then I'll, I'll go into the next range because it's kind of right there where you got to make some decisions. And, and all I wrote for Patrick Cantley, and then maybe I'll kick it to you, is I just wrote, fuck this guy, question mark. Like, what are we doing with Cantley? He's price drop again to 8,900, but he continues to do nothing. So what, what are your yeah. thoughts on Cantley and the rest of the range? I've heard some rumblings that they're, they're, it, it's consistency is an issue and it could be injury related. Don't quote me on this. Uh, I, I think I read something. Uh, it might've been on the slack. So I, I'm not hundred percent sure the validity of it, but I, there's been some issues. I, I hear there has been some issues. And, and the thing is it, it, like earlier this year with an injury. And then now that she's back, uh, he's, he hasn't had the consistency maybe because he hasn't played enough. I don't know what it is. So I'm not sure about Kenley. One thing going back into this uh, 9k range, I will say day is going to be the lowest stone in this range. You'd have to agree with me on this, right? Uh, sure. You could get them. You can get them for single digits. I think uh, coming up this week. Now I'm not sure if I'm going to play them, uh, but if you're you're really into the ownership game, um, you know it's it's one bad week that he had, and you've been playing good before that. It could be worth jumping on him at this time. I'm not really sure if I'm going to do it, but just putting it out there. Uh, now going more into this 8K range, um, I'm going back to Tony Finau. 
again. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. But the thing about it is, you know, last week he, was, he wasn't bad ball striking-wise. Again, he just couldn't make a putt to save his life, which is a pretty normal thing for Tony. But it, not as bad as it was uh, last week. I mean, just looking at it, how many strokes did he lose uh, on these greens last week? Um, I mean, take a lot. Quick, yeah, it was, uh, he lost like four strokes in two days almost, you know. And, and around the greens, you know, ball striking-wise, he gained 3.1 strokes uh, in the uh, – in the, in the two days ball striking. So, you know, you know, that's still there. He's still coming off, you know, w- when the ball striking is there, uh, you know, just a little bit of the putter is all he needs to drain a lot of birdies. This is a no cut event. And it's sort of been his thing uh, to make a lot of birdies uh, in these events, even though he might not finish that highly. Uh, so, that, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. And I, my uh, third cash game cornerstone this week is also in this range. It's going to be Matthew Wolf. Uh, the guy's just been playing really exceptional golf here recently. Uh, in the, in, I say in the last month plus, you saw what he did at the PGA Championship. You know the talents there. Like when he when he first came out, I wasn't sure if you could compare to Morikawa and Hovland, but I mean, I think he can be right up there with these guys. This guy has a lot of talent going in. Uh, I know he didn't have the best uh, iron week last week, but it was basically one round that killed him. You know, he shot what seventy seven on um on saturday and i really i really hurt what he did for the week but other than that he wasn't that bad and i think his length is going to help i mean if you look uh he lost almost he lost almost four and a half strokes just on on saturday alone um you know with with his approaches he lost uh, i think what almost six strokes with his ball striking in just one round. The other rounds, he was fairly good. So um, I do like Wolf a lot this week. The thing about him is what he's been doing here. Uh, I, I like his length. Uh, I like the fact that, his, you know, his off the tee game is solid. And if you look a little bit deeper, you know, he, he's been pretty good making a lot of birdies, pretty good with his longer irons. You'll see a lot of 200 plus 175 to 150 this week. Uh, and, and his form has been good. And he's won here. Uh, in the past, in the college event, like I said, I'm not taking too much credence into that, but I think it could help him just a touch. Other guys I do like in this range, uh, Kevin Kisner. Uh, the guy's been playing really, really exceptional golf. I mean, this course, it might be a touch long for him, but we said that at the Masters for him, and he went out and did really, really well. The thing is, what, what keeps him alive in these longer-type courses is his good long iron play, and him consistently hitting it in the fairways. So, you know, you look, he's in proximity for 200 plus. He's been very, very good here recently, especially in this run. He's actually second in birdies or better uh, in percentage in the last 12 rounds in this field. Uh, you know, really good par four score. So I like Kisner in this range as well. Who do you like here? Yeah, Reed was the one at the top that stood out to me. It's a little bit interesting just because he's in between Cantlay and Finau, which is where I think the ownership naturally goes. So the the part that is interesting about to me is that neither of them win, right? Cantlay won the Memorial. And like these guys, like Finau won the Puerto Rico. Reed has all these trophies, Masters, you know, WGCs, playoff events. He's got all these wins and these things. He's a great putter, good around the greens, long enough off the tee. Like to me, that stands out as the play. And sometimes in these softer pricing or, you know, tighter pricing events, you're looking at it like you got to make the decision that way because, you know, Finau and Cantley have all the upside in the world, but we just never seem to realize it. And then you drop down. I said this last week, uh, you know, Hideki, to me, he's like a cheaper 
Cantlay. It's just a guy that can only show, like, you know, Cantlay showed up at the memorial on Sunday, dusted the field, even though Scott had a great day. He got the handshake at the end from Jack. You know, Hideki at the WGC Bridgestone shows up on that Sunday, blasts the field with a 61 and takes it. It's like, that's kind of what they do if they do it, but it never seems to happen. So why not just save the money and play Hideki? And I really have no clue how the hell he does it because, you know, at 50, at 8,500, I got to be in a little bit. And he was really not his best on approach last week, even worse on Sunday, losing almost two strokes on approach, yet he's still 10 under for the tournament and one under on Sunday. So like, it's just one of those things where if he puts it together and these are the types of events, I like them a little bit more as well. Kind of like you mentioned earlier with Xander, where they cut, you know, an event 20 under or work, you know, like a minus 10 to minus 20 range winner would be better for guys like that. I think that's where they can sort of do their thing on one special round and run away with it, you know, in the end or win by two or three strokes. So I do like that Kisner cash collecting Kisner. You talked about him, but you know, to even mention a quote, look, when DJ's on like this, you just get out of his way and add as much money as you can to your bank account. The guy has been adding money to his bank account. Uh, stats are extremely solid over the last eight weeks here. Ninth at the BMW last year, uh, which obviously was also in Chicago, different course. 23rd in the FedEx Cup right now. So he's going to want to hold his spot. And he got ninth at the tournament or at the tournament champions last year, uh, tour championship, sorry, and the third in 2017. And that's where you get paid. So I do like Kisner. I'm definitely going back to him at 8,400. I'm not sure what people are going to do with English or Hatton, but you know, Hatton has to me more upside when he shows. I know English finally showed the actual flash of upside last week, but typically he was your top 20 guy versus I would see Hatton in that spot. So I kind of like him. Wolf Hovland, you mentioned going to be a decision to be made there. I do agree with you on Wolf of where he's sort of come around a little bit. And just to clarify that I am still sharp and we've been doing that a lot on this pod. Uh, it was Sung Jay taking it over Morikawa and Wolf who qualified last year as wow. rookie of the year. Just to note for everybody, this is the decision so it's Scheffler, Hovland, Higgs, and McNeely are the only four left. And you say, okay, they don't all stand out. Obviously, it's kind of between Scheffler and Hovland. It'd be interesting if McNeely won this thing or did something crazy because he's actually got the same made cuts in events pretty much as Scheffler. Uh, just he's only got three top tens compared to Scheffler's six. Uh, Hovland obviously having the win makes the difference. But you know, as far as FedEx Cup ranking goes, Scheffler's in 14th. Hovland's in 24th. So there is a little bit of a battle. Higgs even played well last week. So that would be something down the stretch. And then I still like Louis ran at 8K straight. I know he's got a bit of a price bump. If he's going to come with a bunch of ownership, because now people finally want to get on board, that's when I'll gladly get my exit ticket and move off. But I still got to like him for the price and for what he continues to do. One bad day last week and still put up like 97 DraftKings points. Yeah, going back to Reed, the one thing I'd have noticed about Reed is he has worked on his length off the tee. I, I, he has gotten a little bit longer since the restart. Uh, it's something that I have noticed. I mean, if you look in this field, I mean, in the last 12 rounds, he's 17th in driving distance. Uh, so he's done something to his swing off the tee to gain just a little bit more uh, length. And I think that could prove to be a, a fairly good thing for him going on in the future. Uh, gaining length is never a bad thing. So, yeah, elephant in the room too, one thing quick, but uh, Tiger Woods, where you at? I, I'm not sure, man. I mean, I think he's just trying to get his reps in for the U.S. Open. I don't even think he wants to make it to the Tour Championship next week. He's going to have a week off. Uh, is the U.S. Open the week after the Tour Championship or the two weeks after? I can't remember the breakdown. I think it's pretty close. It's right yeah, after. It's pretty I think. close. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know if he wants to be playing three weeks in a row. I mean, we'll see what his motivation is. I, I'm not sure. Uh, he did show up on Sunday. 
Uh, really yeah. solid. I think it was shot like 31 on the front or something like that. Uh, 66 on, on the day, and it was a strong round. He still didn't yeah. find the putter, yet he still pulled it together and had a great Sunday. That's why I asked, right? And he's yeah. obviously, just so everyone knows, he's got to have a top six this week. So if he does want to move on, I have to believe that every guy that shows up does want to move on, then he's going to have to do his thing, right? And, and that's sort of the situation. So, yeah, it's the Tour Championship is the 4th to the 7th, September. The Safeway Open is the 10th to 13th, followed by Winged Foot, the U.S. Open, 17th to the 20th. Okay, so maybe he gets a week off. Maybe he wants to play three weeks in a row. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, and the thing is, you never really know a Tiger. The stats aren't – all we know is he's a great iron player. But other than that, the stats really aren't going to show too much because he plays so little. Uh, so we'll see how it is uh, on back-to-back weeks. I don't know when the last time – he doesn't do that that often either. Uh, I'm going to be using a lot of these golfers in the 8K range just because I'm probably going to play three guys in the 10K range. Uh, and two of the guys that I'm playing in the 9K range are my cash game cornerstones. So I'm not going to play too much other than Kawa probably in that range. So I'll be peppering a lot in this range in the 8K. Let's move to the 7K range. Go ahead, Tambo. Yeah, not, I'm with you there. Like, uh, you're going to have to play guys in this range, but there's not a lot that I absolutely love or that stands out. There's certain plays, you know, Hovland I mentioned above at 8,100. Another thing about him real quick is just scoring for the price. The, the price seems insane at 8,100 for what he can score like. We saw it on Sunday, and I know the around the green game and the you know yips or whatever you'll call it that he has sometimes will freak you out a little bit, but for 8,100 and a no-cut event, the next guy that stands out like that, though, is in this range, and that's Bubba Watson at 7,600, right? Just seems for how he's been playing is fair and balanced. He's been getting through, making it happen, and he can really outscore that price tag at 7,600. There's certainly some other plays around here with Palmer. You can go back to answer him, whatever. The guys I'm in on are uh, Russell Henley. You don't see his ownership, but he you know, should be popular. But again, I don't know. If it's good. This area could be a little bit more dispersed. So I like him. Uh, you know, Sungjae, go back to the well on him. I liked him at 8,700 or whatever. Of course, I'm going to come back at this price. Bubba, uh, Kokrak. Nah, for, you know, kind of like the cheaper Kisner, right? They're around the green. If he gets it going, that sort of stuff. I, I don't mind that. And people did like him last week and he did not come through. So I could go back there. And then the one other guy I like here is uh, another shout out. Our boy, Sundog Monkey, Corey Connors. Talked about him and just getting in and fighting his way in last year. Uh, Going to want to do it again. And, that you know, if, he, if he's on, which he can be, uh, then I think he's going to be fine as far as, you know, 7,200 goes and the upside that can come with that. And then I'll round out the range and let you go just because it's so small. But Neiman, going to go back to him, always at 7,100, fair price, upside, can outscore it. That's all there. And Hubbard, I'm sticking with because he did it again for me last week. Uh, just fine as far as that price tag is concerned. 7,000 scores, under 70 rounds, can get you all four under 70, even on a tougher course. And he makes birdies. So, you know, I, I want all that in my lineup at 7,000 in a no-cut event. Yeah, uh, my fourth cash game cornerstone is going to be Ryan Palmer. Uh, the guy's been playing – uh, pretty good golf. I mean, if you look at his last four events, eighth, 43rd, 15th, second, uh, I think he has, what, four top 15s in the, what, seven events that he's played uh, since the restart, eight events that he's played since the restart. You know, the uh, three of those uh, other four events are MCs, and we don't have to worry about that this week. Uh, the guy can get catch fire. Uh, with his iron game, you saw he gained 10 strokes with his approaches to the Memorial and then went back to back uh, five strokes with his approaches the next two weeks, um, you know, playing solid golf, you know, enough birdies there to make it worthwhile, especially in a no cut event, uh, really good from 175 to 200. I think a lot of his approaches are going to be in that range. So my four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Xander Schaaf play at 9,900, Daniel Berger at 9,800, I'm sorry, 9,700, um, 
Matthew Wolf at 8,200 and Russell Ryan Palmer at uh, 7,600. This is still going to leave you, I think, like 14, 7, uh, somewhere around there to finish off the rest of your lineup. So still plenty, uh, plenty out there to finish what you need. I think uh, actually 14, 9 is what it'll leave you. So uh, plenty of room out there to make the rest of your lineup. Other guys, I'm a big fan of Henley this week. His iron key has been so good. And you've seen glimpses of that putter, you know, sort of coming back. I don't know if he's ever going to be as good of a putter as he used to be a decade ago. Uh, but, you know, you saw a little bit the last couple of weeks where he's gained seven strokes with his putter in the last two weeks and still has kept his uh, approach game and ball striking up during that time. You know, three top tens in the last five events is nothing to sneeze about for a golfer at $7,800. So I do like uh, Henley. Um, I'm going to go back to Cameron Champ again. I think he'll be low on. I think, uh, you know, I, like I said, he's won here in a collegiate event. I think his length will help. I think. He's very good on long par fours, good proximity stats from 200 plus, uh, makes a ton of birdies. So I like Cameron Champ. Uh, I'm with you and Sundog Martin uh, on Corey Connors. It just depends on that putter again, once again, but ball striking, it's always there. And I'm with you on Hubbard as well. The guy's just been playing consistently pretty good golf, especially for a 7K golfer. Uh, I, I like what he brings to the table uh, at that price. So I do like that. Now we go on to the 6K range. Uh, just a few golfers that I do like in this range. First is going to be Lanto uh, at 6,900. Fellow Hokie right there went to Blacksburg, went to Virginia Tech, just like I did. Um, you know, he's been really, really good, sharp with his irons uh, recently uh, here. I think he's like ninth in the field in the last 12 rounds uh, in, in, in strokes gained approach. Uh, you know, good from 175 to 150. So I do like Lanto uh, a bit in this range. Taylor Gooch has just been playing some fine golf, really, really strong on longer par fours, which of course you're going to see a lot of this week. Again, iron game, strong. Brendan Steele, another guy who's been playing good golf with a good iron game, good ball striking, good for long distances, good on par four. I think it's 13th in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards in the last 12 rounds. So recently uh, he's been pretty good. I'll go Robbie Shelton down here. Again, iron gain's been strong, hitting a ton of birdies here recently. Really, really good from 175 to 200 and longer par fours. Uh, so I, I do like a little bit of Shelton. Um, and I might throw in some Maverick Manili down here again, again, at the minimum price for a guy who's won on this course. I, I'll take the course history a little bit more in the, into shape when it comes to these lower price golfers, because, you know, the stats just aren't going to show any strength, especially in a field like this. Uh, so you got to find some other little nooks and crannies to look for in these lower uh, price golfers. So I'll throw a little bit of Maverick in there as well. Who do you like? Yeah, for the sake of time, a lot of the same, right? So the Gooch, the Lanto, these types of plays are just ones where I just think they can exceed their their tag, right? That's all I care about is just give me the points and then rack it up from there. And obviously some of them can make, you know, some of them can contend to get up there. We saw Cam Davis last week, he (laughs) faded. Gooch was, you know, great to the end. So, I mean, I thought those plays are all fine. A couple that I'll add though, you know, JT Poston, another guy we've seen do it. Sebastian Munoz, these are guys that pop time to time and can score. Mav McNeely, who you mentioned, I just talked about the rookie of the year race. Uh, a couple more, Joel Damon, right? He likes collecting the cash just like Kisner does. So uh, go back to him at 6,500. And then last one is just Kevin Streelman. Had a great Thursday. He's uh, the Chicago kid in this field. Grew up in Illinois, played around here lots. I think it's a, a spot where, again, if we get like minus 17, minus 15, if we get that score, even up to 20, I think it's still fine for a guy like Streelman that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He can still grind it out. He's almost like a cheaper nah. 
to a cheaper Kisner, right? You keep going up the board. It's just like a cheaper version of those you know guys. So if you got to line up with them, want to drop down and try him instead, I wouldn't mind that, you know, for a one-off here and there. All right. So let's go to bets this week. What you got, Tamil? I only got four. I got Webb, 20 to one. And then I really, it's just, I'm worried. I don't know what I'm going to do at the top yet. If I do add something like, you know, eight to one, it's just DJ can do it. That's the thing. So I don't know. I was, I, I missed the boat on the DJ uh, Phil double because Phil's going off right now in that champions tour event. Last I looked, he was like 500 through seven or something. He's just destroying them and mashing it off the tee. He was like, he was like two to one. Two. He's a two to one favorite. You don't yeah, see that. But, you don't see that that often, but it makes sense. Bump DJ you know, up to sixteen or whatever. Yeah. That that would have been nice to see. So I, yeah. I just I, I fell asleep on that one. But uh, yeah, so I went with Web twenty. I do like that call. Uh, Scott Adam Scott forty. 40 to one T five each way Kisner 40 to one T five each way. And I went each way just because I think that's where they're going to land. Right. I don't think they're going to necessarily win this thing, but I definitely think they can top five it. So I'll take that. And if the upside happens or Scott has that lucky round on Sunday, I get it. And then again, I talked about Sundog, our man, Martin, we'll got to get him back on the show eventually here, but yeah, Connors one twenty five to one with the T five each way. I like that call. Yeah. I got five. I'm going to start off with JT at 12 to one. I just think it's putting is going to come around at some point in time and he's going to, you know, show what he does with his drive and his approaches. And I think he can get another win. I mean, it hasn't been that long since he won. What was it, like a month ago, six weeks ago? Something like that. Uh, not even. Not even. Yeah. yeah, not even, right? So, um, oh, yeah, th- three weeks ago, uh, four weeks okay. ago at the St. Jude. So, you know, I mean, a couple of bad rounds with with a really shitty putter. And the thing is, he still lost two strokes putting when he won the WGC St. Jude. Uh, you know, but his iron game was so strong. And I think that can go well, especially with his length off the tee. Uh, Xander, 16-1. Berger twenty to one, Kisner forty to one. So four shorter odd guys is the way I'm going because, uh, and I'll be looking hard at a Kisner top twenty. Uh, we'll we'll see what the odds are if they're over plus two hundred. I'm probably gonna pounce on that. We'll see how that goes. It might be like one fifty, one seventy five. Then I have to think about it uh, and maybe go a little bit deeper. You can see that um, in my article later on in the week. Uh, and my long shot's gonna be Champ at hundred to one. Yeah, I like that. Uh, one and done. Uh, I re I, you know, last week I actually didn't realize I had Bryson left. So I used Bryson and of course he missed the cut. So basically I am done, uh, with this shit. So I'm, I'll probably throw in Kisner. Uh, I'll probably throw in Kisner this week. Um, I don't know if I, I think I've used Xander too. So maybe Kisner burger. Um, if I'm going back, if I want to just go crazy, maybe throw Maverick McNeely down in there where no one's going to go. Maybe I can win that. Uh, what's it called? The, uh, the skin. one where you get the skin. Yeah, the skin. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's a, I, I didn't realize it went a lot longer than I thought. So we still have room. There's still room in this segment. And there's another segment right up after, up till the Masters. Because I was thinking about burning Tiger this week. And then I had to go and check it out. And I'm like, eh, maybe I'll just save Tiger for the Masters. Get to see what happens where he's at by then. But uh, yeah, there's a, you know, if, I'd use a big dog if you got him left. I don't know exactly what I have left. I looked at some of the guys I have. But like, you know, Finau, you know, Matsuyama, whatever. You, if you want to go that range. But I would go up top. If you got DJ, Rom, JT, Bryson, Rory, Webb, any of these guys, get them in there now. I like it for this event. Uh, and I think it's going to be one of them that pulls off the win. All right. You can find me at KendoVT on Twitter. You can also find my article every week on GupsCorner.com. Uh, big week for the community. Uh, they didn't really listen to me uh, because I, I wasn't that great. They listened to Gup. Got hit, Gup hit the DJ 21. Gup was a uh, – DJ was one of his favorite uh, uh, GBB plays, and people were crushing out there, like five-figure wins uh, all throughout the whole thing. So make sure you – you go on to Gup's Corner. Uh, my article will be on it with course preview, stats to look for, some trends, strategy. Um, you know, and then later on in the week, my favorite bet. 
uh, and my favorite cash plays other than my cash game cornerstone. So go to govscorner.com. Tambo. Yeah, same. Find me, find me over at uh, rotogrinders.com. Hit up rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Get 10 bucks off your first month, 50 bucks off for the year. There's going to be, I have my review show today. Went through all the winners over the weekend, talked some strategy, lineup construction, uh, just, you know, rehashing it from the week before, plays that we were on, that sort of stuff. And then uh, Tuesday, I'll do the show with STL Cards and Noto, going over sort of the entire pool again, just, you know, further thoughts, seeing some of the ownership spit out now, a little bit more in-depth than what, you know, we're going through here on a first look. And then Wednesday, sort of the final show, as I mentioned or alluded to earlier, it comes down to now I've got ownership. Now I've got builds. Now I've been spending time on the app doing it and working these things out and optimizing. And I can see with lineup HQ where I want to go. And that's a, a great tool. And you guys should check it out. So go to rotorgrinders.com slash DGEN. Go there, sign up. Get Even if you just want the first month, you can check it out. That'll get you through till sort of the end of this playoffs break, the, the major, everything that comes with it. Other than that, find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo and hit me up if you have any questions there. All right, second week of the playoffs. No could event that makes me happy. Let's win some motherfucking money. D-Gen Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing. Healthcare, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.